Welcome to the Business Influencer Podcast, where we will be interviewing and exploring the success stories of entrepreneurs, business leaders, senior policymakers, and getting insights from thought leaders around the issues of the day. We will be delving into and analyzing the latest news around tech, geopolitics, finance, global business, entrepreneurship, property, leadership, law, philanthropy, and life. This podcast is available on all platforms. But for those of you who prefer to watch, uh, we have the Natural Media YouTube channel. Please subscribe and you can watch all the interviews. Uh, you can also follow the show's updates on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. Please do leave a review as it helps to get the word out and about. Uh, my name is Ninda Johal. I am the co-founder of The Natural Group, the Signature Awards and co-publisher of the Business Influencer magazine. And I will be your host for the show. In this episode, we speak to Alan Layton about all things leadership. We digest his amazing journey and career, in particularly turning around Asda, his time at the Royal Mail, and of course, his take on where he thinks retail is going post-COVID. And of course, we delve into his fantastic book, aptly called Alan Layton on Leadership. And we ask him, how will leadership change post-COVID? Good afternoon, uh, Alan. Thank you for taking that time. I know you're a busy, busy, busy guy. Thank you very much. Um, and, and for those of you wondering, how the hell did I manage to get Mr. Alan Layton on the other side of his screen? Well, you've been into my neck of the woods, which is the black country, a few times because you're chair of the charity, the Canals and River Trust. Agreed? Yes? Absolutely. Uh, yep. Yeah. So I bumped into you both in Birmingham when you're doing the annual report and in Coventry recently and I managed to bend your arm to agree to do a podcast. The truth is you stalked me, you know that. <laughs> well I have seen you a number of times so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to digress from that <laughs> but, but, but look for those who've never heard of you which I doubt let me just quickly go through a summary of what you've done and why I think you're such a brilliant person to interview. You started your commercial life in Mars, um, that's the bars, uh, in Slough, where you, where you were involved in sales. Uh, you moved on to Asda, where you were the chief exec. You negotiated the big deal with Walmart. Uh, you were previously chair of the Royal Mail. You were chair of lastminute.com, so you understand the internet and the new way of things. Uh, you've sat on the board of B Sky B, so you understand media. You've also, interestingly, sat on the board of uh, Dyson, so you have an idea about manufacturing and the importance of branding. Uh, you're chair currently of Wagamama Pizza Express, so hospitality. Uh, you've been chair of Co-op, which had an interesting background, I'm sure, before you took over in 2015. And you've just been recently appointed chair of Brewdog. Have I got, and that's only... All by one, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not, not, no longer the chair of Wagamama. We, we signed ah. it to the restaurant group. But, oh, okay. But I, okay. I was I was chair and very proud of it. Fantastic, brilliant. Okay, so um, so let's kick off then. Let's look at this extensive career of yours. Uh, you wanted to become a footballer, is the rumor I heard, and then you ended up in Mars. So from sport, how did you end up in Mars, particularly sales? 
The true story is I wanted to be a footballer and I broke my leg very badly when I was about oh. 16. Broke it in five or six places, actually. And then if you broke it in five or six places, it was a long time off. So, um, you know, and football, like all sport, is a, it's a, it's how fast you are over five yards. It's a five-yard yeah. speed thing. And you're not the same player. So that was the end of that, really. Um, and, um, but, and then I, I needed, I wanted to work somewhere. I'd heard about Mars. Um, I went for an interview uh, in Ipswich, which I always remember. Uh, and they asked me if I could come back the next day. And I said I couldn't because um, I'd, I'd come for that day, not the following day. Yeah. Um, and so they said, OK, fine. And then two weeks later, they phoned me up and said, look, you really should come and talk to us. Come to Nottingham. Um, and so that's how I, I went to Nottingham and I, I went into Mars and I was there for 18 brilliant years, actually. Uh, football, what, what position was that then? Centre forward or centre half, depending on who else was available. Well, you, you are quite tall, so I, yeah. I, I can, yeah, I, that, I can that, see that, that was that was the thing. Uh, yeah, because I, I was tall, I could head it. So you know, where, wherever you could head it, that's where you played. Now, so you ended up at Mars. Now it was interesting. Um, you said you learned to when I read your book, you learned a hell of a lot at Mars. But but in particular, you were you were also in a sales capacity. Do you think in this technologically driven tech new startup world, having a sales background helps and generally being an entrepreneur, do you think a sales um, background helps? Probably, but I mean, you're not really, at Mars, you're not really taught to be um, a specific skill. In fact, when I was there, I worked in nearly every division, actually. Um, and, you know, I worked in manufacturing, worked in HR, worked in marketing, um, you know, so... Um, but, but so what you're taught is to be a, a, a really good manager. Um, you're taught to be really okay. good with people. Um, and, you know, the, the, you know and Mars, you know, they taught me, they said, there's only, always remember, Alan, there's only two things that are important in business, people and product in that order. Uh, and, and if you get the people and the product right, you needn't worry about anything else. And, and that's true. Um, so, you know, they, they, they sort of, and I went through the organization, you know, very quickly. When they, you know, I had a lot of responsibility when I was very young um, yeah. because they, they did, it didn't matter. You know, their whole thing was it's about experiences, not experience. And it's about the skills that you've got, not the skills that you don't have. So, um, no, and, and, you know, it was, a, I loved every minute of it and didn't ever think I'd leave, actually. Um, uh, you know, stayed there a long time. You know, as you know, a lot of, uh, you know, I then took a lot of my people from Mars to Asda with me, basically. You know, people like Justin King, Richard Baker, Angela Spindler, Dave Cheesewright. You know, they all came from Mars because, um, although they didn't know anything about retail, I knew they knew about people and products and, and, and off we went. So, no, it was a... It was a great time. The other thing they taught me um, was um, that, that, you know, this is how many years ago now? It must be nearly 40 years ago, 38 years ago. They said to me, Alan, you know, there's, you only have to remember this one thing. Um, it's all about getting more brains than anybody else. You know, you want, it's about brain count. It's not about head count. Get more brains. Um, and they said, you have to remember, 50% of the brains in the world are female and brains have no colour. And it's going to take people a long time to work that out, by which stage we'll have more brains than anybody else. Your job is get us brains. And remember, 50% of the brains in the world are female. Brains have no colour. Wow. What else, insightful. what else do you need to know, you know? Yeah, insightful stuff. And that was, as you said, 40-odd years ago. Ab absolutely. 
and, still, and, and people are, people are still struck, you know, can't yeah. work it out, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and and I'm wondering. I know we'll talk about it later. The Walmart thing, and I'm wondering whether that was the bit that you learned the American culture, and you sort of clicked on to be like, was there much of an American culture at Mars? Yeah, yeah, but but, but it, there wasn't. There wasn't. I mean, it was a sort of um, you know the management thinking at the time was very advanced, but you know therefore came from the US because the UK was still very much in the backwoods from a from a management perspective. You know, it was all about you served your time, you took the job, you served. Yeah. Mars is very different to that. Um, and, um, but, but, you know, I've always, had, you know, I love the US. I've always, I've always loved the US. And, um, um, you know, as you know, I lived in, I lived in Canada for a long time, yeah. running all the, 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 the big supermarkets and bakeries up in North America. So, yeah, no, but it was, um, it, but it, but Mars was very, um, you know, you were, you, you were your own person, um, but they were very focused on people and products and that's how it worked. And is that what you took then when you went to your next challenge? And it was a big challenge because I, I remember when I was a small child walking past Asda and either they were shot or they were empty and you took over what was commonly known as a basket case. Yeah, Asda, yeah. I mean, they were really on their knees. Um, so so how, when you walked in, how did you, I mean, that just sounds virtually impossible to do, but you did it. Well, what were the sort of first steps you did? Well, you go back to people and product, do what you do. Uh -huh. uh, you know, you look at, you know, it's this thing, you know, in my career, I've been in, I think there's not a single sector that I've not been involved in. And people say, well, how do you do that? I said, well, I don't have to, you know, I only have to worry about people and they get the product right. So I don't need to be an expert in house building or restauranting or testing or any of these things. Um, so, um, but it, no, the Mars, I mean, obviously, uh, Archie was there. Um, it was a big turnaround. Um, I, you know, I loved the idea of doing a turnaround, um, and nobody gave us any chance. You know, it's, a, yeah. it's a, yeah. you know, it's, it's always, it's always. A, in many ways, I love that when people say you've got, you haven't got a catch chance in hell. You know, and um, and it took us a bit of time, but 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 you know, all you know, I have this thing. Everything, you know, the way we sort of think about things is, if something worked once, it worked for a reason. And as there was, remember the lead, it was the. It was the first superstore operator in the world. I mean, the the the, the team that uh, built that up were way ahead of their time, uh, and it was a phenomenal idea that you put non-food in with food. And you had these big places, yeah. and and because you got the traffic, you sold the non-food. I mean, it was way ahead of its time. And then, like everything else, it gets carried away, and people forget what the roots of it. The roots of Asda was price. It was Asda price. That's what the whole thing was built up on. And they could be the lowest price because they did more volume per site than anybody else. And basically we just went back to that. We met, you know, I have this thing about back to the future um, with, with, um, with um, you know, back to the future with uh, reality. And, and, and so that's what we did. And, and then we brought, you know, we couldn't get any, but we had, we had, we, about to, we had a billion of debt. We were about to break our banking covenants. We couldn't recruit anybody from the industry. And that, that actually worked to our benefit because nobody had come work from us from any of the other big four. So we had to go and get people. So I went back to Mars and I just got, you know, the rest is history. They, you know, well, I think we, that as the group of, of uh, spawned more CEOs than any company's ever done. And, and um, it was phenomenal. Um, and it was hard, you know, it's not every, you know, it's easy to tell the story and, but it was 10 years and um, it took us 10 years to get to, probably took us four years to get to where we wanted to be. And then we kept building on the back of that. 
you know, we created the biggest clothing brand in Britain, George. I mean, yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, so, um, and then, you know, that's, and then eventually, you know, we decided that the best thing to do, you know, we needed to move on, basically. Uh, you know, I've been really close to the, the Walmart family for a long time. Um, I've been seeing them, you know, been out in the US, they've been over to see us. You know, I really loved what they did. In fact, I used to copy everything um, they did, but I, 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 I would do it in a purest way. So I would copy it in a different way to they would do it. Um, and when, we, when, we, when they decided to buy us, when we decided to get together, they said one of the reasons was they felt that we did some of the things they did better than them. Uh, oh, wow. And, um, wow. Yeah. So it was a great, you know, it was, a, it was and if, you know, I guess if we could have written the last chapter of our particular book, then that would have been, you know, it would have been a good last chapter because we thought it was a, a really good thing, a really good thing to do. It was interesting because when I read um, Sam Walton's autobiography, he talked about going around other competitors and copying the bits that were good and making them really good. Uh, I also read somewhere you, you were quite intrigued by their culture some bits you thought like singing the, the, the hymn and the, the anthem in the morning probably wouldn't work. But no, you knew I love that. that. We, did yeah, we did it. We did it. I was. I mean, so I knew Sam, and and um, you know, he, you know, he's, he, he, I got copy shamelessly from him. It was his thing. His and he, he had two things that we really taught. The people we really listened to were Sam and Ken Morrison. You know, they were the two yeah. doyens basically, yeah. uh, and. Um, you know, his, his other thing was one store at a time. He said to me, look, Alan, I never set out to have, you know, thousands of stores to be the biggest employer in America. I had one store, then I did another store, then I did another store. And he, he had this thing about, you know, always think about things one store at a time. Um, don't think about things as being 500 things because, but we did that in a week. I mean, we were going to do a deal with Kingfisher. We we're going to merge. It was yeah. going to be announced. Um, uh, in uh, in ten days' time, it had already been announced. It's going to be completed this any time, and I just felt that it was not, I, you know, having been through. I just felt it wasn't the right thing to do, uh, and you know, it was a big call to suddenly say we're mm. not going to do it. And so, literally, I phoned Rob Walton and said to him, Rob, you know, I, I think it would be great if you should be buying us. We should be with you. We shouldn't be doing this other deal. And he said, Oh, Alan, well, you know, how long have we got? I said you've got eight days. And then I was on a plane to Bentonville the next day, which I think was the Sunday. And they were on a plane back to Leeds on the Monday. And then they were back out on the plane on the Thursday. And then they called me on the Saturday and said they'd do the deal. And then we worked all day on the Sunday to do all the get everything done. And we announced it on the Monday morning. Well, that's extraordinary. Yeah. What about all these emphasis on due diligence or did you well we did it all we did we did it all but we did it all we, we wanted to do it so you know i sat in the room for both parties uh and there's a huge amount of trust in it and um yeah had to be yeah we, we we did it and i mean you know it's amazing it's the same thing i always say it's amazing what you can get done when you need to get it done things don't have to take forever you know that's a great example of it but that was also though i think not typical because simply the trust was so high between both yeah. parties. Yeah. You were able to probably, I think, override any problems with accountants and lawyers. Oh, absolutely, and absolutely. All, all the stuff they would have thrown at you. No, no, no. You would have said, no, no, no. Just do it. Yeah, and, and, and all the data say, you know, that you can do 
um, you know, most most of the due diligence is quite easy to do. Um, anyway, it was a it was a it was a it's a it was a hell of a it was a hell of a story, really. But it was um, it was an amazing thing to do. It was astonishing. It was astonishing. Uh, so just just picking up the Asda thing and just just your views. Superstores or supermarkets are now heavily in the news. We've heard Asda has now been acquired by um, two entrepreneurs at Bradford. So first thing, I suppose it's difficult for you to say, but it's been overladen with debt. One, how do you feel about it going to private equity? And secondly, Morrison's is now being pursued by private equity. Uh, how do you feel about supermarkets? Do they benefit from private equity and that kind of sort of sharp thinking, the way they sort of bring in? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's all about ownership. I mean, in the end, the ownership's important. The most important thing is who runs it. Um, you know, that that's where it tends to come from. Um, you know, I think that, you know, Walmart did extremely well out of Asda and, and um, you know, that, that was at their time, I think they were thinking about a much bigger global business than there is today. So in many ways, it made sense for them to, um, you know, to sell it. I like the fact, I quite like the idea it's an independent company again. Okay. Um, okay. You know, the, the two entrepreneurs, but they're very good guys. Stuart Rose is who yeah. I know really well, chairing it. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be different, but, but you know, it's a fabulous business. And, you know, it is, it still could be a fabulous business. Um, I think it's sort of, you know, it's sort of, you know, it's laboured a bit in the last few years because it's not really been sure who, you know, what's its future, but now it's very clear what it is. Morrison's the same, you know, Ken built a fabulous business there. And, yeah. and, um, um, and, and of course, remember, there are big synergy plays. These aren't just private equity buying supermarkets. You know, they, they own petrol forecourts and all sorts of things. Yeah. And, and therefore, you've got this omnipresence, which gives you the convenience presence. So they're, it's not, you know, these people think they're sort of financial transactions. They're not. They're, right. strate they're strategic transactions. And, and um, because you wouldn't just do it, you know, just for the financial piece of it. So, you know, I think it'll be very interesting. And, you know, it's a unusual setting where, um, you know, <coughs> two of the, you know, two of the big three um, are, you know, going to be um, two of the big four going to be private actually owned. You know, two will be publicly owned. One's a partnership, Waitrose. One's a you know membership model, which is the co-op. So you've got all these different method, all these different ownership models evolving. Which, which frankly, you're seeing not just in in food industry. You see it everywhere. You know, there are everybody. There's 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 different evolution of ownership structures. And, and and just before we move on, and of course, it's interesting to see the German discounters also in the mix. Who yeah, also seem yeah. to have had a very good COVID. And just before, prior to COVID, they were they were really flying as well. So it's a it's a very interesting dynamic, I think. Yeah, it is. And and remember that those German discounters aren't German; they're international. Aldi's been yeah. around the world for a yeah. long, long time. Now I can remember going to Texas uh, and um, you know thirty years ago and seeing an Aldi. Um, you know they are seriously good players, uh, and you know are you know that people think them as German discounters. They they're they're you know those they're some of the best international retailers in the world with the with the with the global footprint that works you know that takes a bit of doing. Now you, you spoke about right at the outset two things were key. You said you said people and product, and and I remember when I used to wander into an ASDA, um, typically there was always somebody around you could ask 
I can't find this, I can't find that, I can't find this. But Amazon, um, who I remember when I read Bezos's um, autobiography, he was gunning for Walmart. He was absolutely gunning for Walmart and said, I'm taking that food sector. And of course, in London, they're trailing these stores where you can walk in. You don't have to yeah. talk to a single soul. You can buy your stuff walking without talking to anyone. Is that the future? Is, is, you know, is, uh, is it no, so depersonalized? No, I mean, but remember, online is very big. You know, online is here for to stay. You know, one. I mean, it was you know, digitalization of retail was prominent prior COVID. It's now even more significant, even in food. Um, so, um, you know, <laughs> you know, Amazon are. I mean, they're the biggest retailer in Britain. I mean, yeah. they're bigger than anybody else already. Um, you know, and and I I, I actually, you know. <laughs> No, remember that this these these they started off as they're going to do books online. Yeah, that's right. And everybody said, "Well, that'll never work." Well, here we are. <laughs> um, so you know, I wouldn't ever, you know, I, I wouldn't ever doubt them in any way. I think they, you know, they've demonstrated, and you know, it, it's you know, it, they they've sort of led the way on that sort of online revolution. I think in 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 food retail, you're you know, more will be delivered. But I mean, we co-op, we've just opened a you know, pretty much a, a, a touchless store. You know, I think yeah. it's very important in convenience. The other big thing is, which is why the co-op's doing really well, is convenience has come back. You know, so, uh, you know, just, just you know, next to having it delivered to your home, going just around the corner for it is the next best thing. So so the whole market, you know, the, all these markets have changed um, significantly. Um, but, you know, Amazon are, you know, they're a, they're a, they're a, they're a proper professional bunch basically and and you know never doubt them because i just remember selling books online that will never work yeah yeah interesting um so so you've now taken on what's colloquially known as a portfolio role um i, I think even you i think somebody said you came up with the term plural is yeah going right? plural yeah it is yeah i invented i own it actually i i trademark <laughs> and register going plural uh is um yeah, no, I, I was, when I, I, I loved that. After about a year with Walmart, and I loved them, and, the, and the, you know, they really looked after me. They wanted me to go to the US. Um, probably I could have gone and run Walmart, actually, probably. Um, but I didn't really fancy it. I, you know, I'd been, you know, 10 years, 11 years, I just fancied to do something different. Uh, and so I just said to them, well, not one day, I, so I said, look, I'm, I'm going to quit, pack in, basically. And I'm just going to try and do something different. So, I and I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so, actually, when I resigned, I didn't, and we announced it. I didn't have anything else to do. And so, the journalists phoned me up. Of course, they'd all thought I'd been fired. Uh, yeah. And they said, "Well, you've been fired." I said, "No." They said, "We well, get the payoff." I said, "No, I don't like payoffs." Uh, and they said, "Well, what are you getting?" I said, "I'm not even getting a clock. Um, I'm not. I'm not getting anything." And they said, "Well, what are you going to do?" And, and into my head from nowhere came this, I'm going to go plural. That's what I said. Uh, and they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going to do lots of different things. And then now going plural stuck and it's become, you know, what, yeah. other, you know, what, but, but I, my model is slightly different. I'm, I'm not, um, I'm sort of full time, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't do two days a week doing a few yeah. non-execs and, you know, I, I, you know, we, I chaired, I was deputy chair at Selfridges for a time. I helped buy that with the Western family. And, and Gordon Selfridge had this great phrase, which is, there's no such fun as work. Uh, and for me, that's how I see work. I see 
I see work as fun. That's why I do it. And people say, well, you know, are you ever going to stop? And I say, well, I hope not, because A, I think I'll die. Uh, and yeah. B, you know, I, it's, I just enjoy it, you know. It doesn't mean it's doesn't mean it's doesn't have its moments, but yeah. largely, you know, I enjoy it. So, so you walked into one basket case, which was Asda. <laughs> then you walked into well, I, I suppose people said it was another basket case, which is Royal Mail. I mean, you're talking about an institution that's been around forever, where the unions have quite a role to play. Uh, it's it's I don't probably use the word monopoly. Uh, but it, you know, it, it, was, it had, huh? yeah, yeah, it, it, it had sort of, and of course, but of course, with digital and everything, competitors are starting to come in. So, how, how, how did that differ from Asda? And how did you tackle a role like the Royal Mail? Well, the, the interesting story was I, I was asked if I do the NHS, and okay. uh, and I came up with some ideas for the NHS that people didn't, you know, which actually, <laughs> if we'd have done them, would have been phenomenal, but um. But anyway, they thought it was politically very difficult. So they asked me if I'd chair the Royal Mail, which was then called, which was then called Consignia, if you remember. They yeah. changed the yeah. name. Uh, right. and, and, you know, which seemed to me ridiculous. Um, so anyway, so I spent a bit of time with that. I mean, the Royal Mail, it is a phenomenal thing. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's one of the great, you know, it's one of the great British traditions. And, you know, the fact that people get their mail delivered you know, up to twice a day is just unbelievable. And and um, and we had great, you know, there are a lot of very good people and the posters are much more than just postmen. You know, they're part of the community. They look after people. It's a big deal. And the problem was, it, I mean, it's a monopoly. It had a 98% market share. Yeah. But it had a 98, I never known anything that had a 98% market share and lost a million pounds a day, which is what it did. And um, so it didn't seem to make much sense to me. Um, so again, we spent a lot of time on the with the posters, and you know, I, I gave them all. You know, we created this, we gave them shares in the, we created this for the false, and nobody thought they'd make any money, but they did. Um, and you know, I just shifted the whole focus of the organisation away from the centre to no, it's all about the posters, all about the delivery office, all about the mail centres. You know, that's where it all counts. That's where we put effort in. And and fairness to the union, the union CW, you know, I got on brilliantly with them. You know, we used to argue cat and dog, but they knew, uh, you know, in the end, this, we had to be a commercial entity. Um, yeah. And that actually that would be a good thing. It wouldn't be a bad thing. And I wasn't there to slay the unions. I was there to help to drive the, the, the and eventually we did. And, and we had a few battles and we were actually, we, I think we're the only people ever to win a strike ballot. I think actually we won a strike, we actually won a strike ballot. Uh, and because I said to everybody, we got to stop doing this. When I went, I think eighty-nine percent of all the strike days in Great Britain were the Royal Mail. Wow! Um, so, um, <laughs> and and it, and it's got it got into better shape. You know, we turned it from losing a million pounds a day to making a million pounds a day. I got Adam in Crows to to run it with a very good strong board, um, and the, right. and then handed it over. I had to do it. I did it for I think I did it for seven or not. I did it longer than I was supposed to anyway. Uh, and um, and then and then and then it got floated and. You know, that that's given it the wherewithal to be able to compete with, yeah. you know, all, all these other. And of course, what's been brilliant for the Royal Mail is is actually online has been very good for it because of the yeah. parcel business expanded. We can do it through the letter business. A lot that's of right. the parcels are letter size. So um, and, and the big thing is I changed the name back to the Royal yeah. Mail. 
Sure. Um, right. You know, when you've got you've got the queens, you know, we're the only people. I think we're the only people allowed to use the crown as our insignia. I mean, why would you ever want to? And you know, it's been going since sixteen seventeen or something. You know, so anyway, it was it was. I loved every minute. I loved the posters. I used to go out see them all the time. If I was driving around, I'd see a poster, go and talk to them, and it was no, it was, I, it was it was great. I loved it. Interesting. You talked about talking to post people, the the postman, the posties. I uh, saw so, so I meet a lot of a lot of chairs and a lot of non execs. Um, and and where do you draw the line between being strategic and being operational? Because too often I hear CEOs turn around and say, "Bloody, they're too operational. These this board is just too operational," and the chair just keeps meddling. So. How do you? Because it's not really, it's not scientific, is it? It's you, you've got to feel your. Yeah. Well, I mean, so first of all, you can't you can't be on the board of anything if you don't know how it works. Yeah. So, and if you want to find out how it works, you have to go as I describe it to the operators. You know. So, if you join the Royal Mail, you went. You know, I learned this from James Dyson when I when I joined the board of Dyson. Everybody who joins Dyson. The very first thing they do when they walk through the door is make a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Because then they know they're in the vacuum cleaner business. Um, mm. And I thought, smart. So in Asda, yeah. everybody walked on the checkout. In the Royal Mail, everybody you know, went with the posting. Um, so you, so you, if you don't understand it works, you can't govern it. You know, that, that's my first thing. The second thing is the role of the chairman. Has, the chairman only has one real role. And that is to get a great CEO. That's it. Because if you get a great CEO, everything takes care of itself. Great CEO gets a great team. Great team gets great results. Great results, easy to govern, off you go. And so all my focus, and, I, and I've been very fortunate, but actually I, I do have and have had some great CEOs. Um, and then you let them run the business. And, and if you let them run the business, then your job becomes test and support. So how do you test? Well, one of the reasons I test is, you know, I'm out, you know, I go into the restaurants at Pizza Express, I go into the stores at the co-op and I talk to people and I feed it back up the line. I don't tell people what to do, but I'm a piece of radar. Uh, and, you know, if you've got that relationship with the CEO and the execs, then they actually, actually take it as a piece of data as opposed to a piece of criticism. And, yeah. you know, I, you know I, and so that is the difference. You're there to get a great CEO. You're there to test and support. You have to understand the business. Um, and then I, I, I describe myself, I'm very, I'm sort of eyes on, hands off. So I don't miss very much, but I'm not out there doing it every day. And that's one of the reasons why I can do so many jobs, frankly, is because I've got great CEOs. I don't need to spend forever, you know, checking and telling them what to do. Um, it's all part of the same thing, people and product, people and product. And the people is from, you know, the postie <coughs> to the chief exec. It's not, it's not a piece of people, you know. It's, it's all people, all the so people you need to be on site. So you spoke about your big job as a chairman is to find a CEO. Yeah. No, a great <laughs> CEO. Great. Not find a CEO, a great CEO. A great CEO. So, so. Can you spot one, or do you have to get to know them really? I mean, you know, are there some characteristics you think this guy, this guy, this yeah. girl—they're they're hot, they—they're good. Yeah, I mean, you can, um, 
you know, sometimes you take, you know, you've got somebody who's got all the skills and you've got a, it's their first job and you help them through. Yeah. Being a CEO is the best job in the world. It's the loneliest job in the world. Uh, and it's the hardest job in the world. And, and nothing can prepare you for it. It's only when you do it, do you realize it's the best job, the hardest job, the loneliest job. And it's always like that. It's incessant. And, and it's 24-7. Anybody believes that you can't do this 24-7, every day of your life, even when you're on holiday, it's not true. Um, you know, you never, it's always with you. You know, you've always got that responsibility for, for everybody, you know, in that organization. So um, you can see skills of people, you can bring them through and you do that. And then obviously, you know, you can pick people and you, you know, you know of their background and you know of them. And a lot of it is how, when, you know, when you talk to them, what do they talk about? Do they talk about themselves or do they talk about people? Do they talk about themselves, do they talk about product. Um, you know, and, um, you know, the, the way, you know, they've got a sense of, you know, all the great CEOs have got a tremendous sense of humor because you have to have one. Um, you know, otherwise, you know, you, it's all too intense. Um, so, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, really scary. And, 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 I, and let me tell you, I've got, um, I'm very fortunate, probably nearly half of my, probably, plus certainly a third, must be kind of, are, are women. I've got some great women CEOs and, and, they're really coming to the fore at the moment because off the back of COVID, um, one of them said to me the other day that, um, you know, the, 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 the things, the skills you need today are to do with um, vulnerability, humility, and kindness. Um, and, and actually, I think that absolutely they are. You'd never five years ago, 10 years ago, put on the skill base of CEOs Humility, kindness, and vulnerability. Um, but there today, you need to have those things, and 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 that's why for women, you know, I, the, the, the women should be better CEOs than men at this moment in time because they have those skills in abundance. You know, men men not very good at those things, particularly particularly vulnerability. Yeah. Um, so um, I think it's never been a greater time for women to become CEOs. And for women CEOs to really start to lead the way in what is a in what will be a new world and is a new world post post COVID basically. And from the way you speak, you keep mentioning people, people, people. So it's, it's all about EQ, isn't it? It's all about rather than the IQ, because traditionally, as you said, right at the very outset, people are always recruited on IQ and qualifications and certificates. But you you you're, you're saying all the, throughout the whole interview, you've just been talking about EQ all the time. People, people, people. So, you know, because most of us are in service businesses, service comes from the heart, not a textbook. If, you, if somebody doesn't, isn't sort of warm and bubbly, not bubbly, but warm and mm. kind and wants to talk to people, you know, I, I learned, you know, Mars was like that. But, you know, in, 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 in Asda, 70,000 of our, my colleagues were women who worked on the checkout. They were the most important people in the business. You know, they had the, they had the contact with the customer. In the, in the Royal Mail, posters, most important people in the business. In my restaurants, the, you know, waiters, waitresses, restaurant, they're the, you know, that you have to remember, we, we, we don't do anything. I actually don't do anything. I can't actually do anything. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I, you know, you're dependent on other people and therefore you have to treat them with respect. And, and my mum always used to say to me, you know, she, said, she used to say to me, she said, Alan, Respect isn't something you earn. It's something you give. 
And if you give respect for all that, one day you may earn it. But all this thing, you people, I go around, I earn respect. Not true. You give it. And if you give respect, eventually you might earn some. With your um, vast business experience, uh, I, by the way, I, I loved reading your book. This, this is fantastic. I'm reading it. And, and it's worth reading. It's called On Leadership, Practical Wisdom from the People Who Know. Uh, and, and you certainly know. But one of the things that really captured me, and I'm, and I'm thinking this because when you walk in as a chair or in any new business, um, you talked about, and there's a particular chapter about innovation or you die. And, and you said there should be, extraordinarily common, you said there should be in any operation about 10% of it should be chaotic. And, and if it's not, there's something wrong. Perhaps you can explain the chaos side of... Yeah, you, you always need a bit of chaos because out of chaos comes sometimes innovation. And, and you know, the danger is that, that things, you know, what people call settle down. You know, settle down is not a really good thing to have, you know. And so there's so much constant churn in business, different things are happening all the time. You have to have a bit of chaos, otherwise you don't learn anything. You know, there's, you know, there's a great thing, you know, when the, every business needs ugly ducklings. Um, you know, we always have people who, you know, just to drive us mad by saying, no, don't do that, do this, let's try this. And you think they're mad. But actually, if you don't have that, and, and actually, two out of ten times, they'd be right. And those two out of 10 times, we never would have thought of. And so you're adding that to the core of what's right. So I think chaos and innovation and, you know, spiking things up from time to time, um, I think it's good. I think it keeps everybody on their toes and, and um, you know, brings new ideas to, to, to what's happening. So, you know, I think a little bit of chaos is a, is a, is a good thing. I think that's a great comment because too often we hear businesses all the time being told if you're going to scale or you're going to be doing certain things, it's all about procedures, 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 and you mustn't aberrate, you mustn't move away from those procedures. It's all being documented, you can't do anything. But you're saying, oh, no, 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 we, we need that bit of chaos, something that uncertain, that triggers, which I think Excellent. I'm completely with you on. Well, I think that's why you know, all the, a lot of the startups, that's they're totally coming, and often they're chaotic. Uh, and, um, but, you know, at, from that chaos become really, you know, good business, you know, really clever ideas. And, um, you know, people think about things completely different. You know, what, what disruption means exactly that disruption. You don't disrupt anything without chaos. You know, every, think about when we say, well, there's disruption on the motorway. What does that mean? It's bloody chaotic. <laughs> you know you know there's disruption on the railway what does that mean everything stops you know it's a sort of just that's what it means you know uh, with your vast experience in media in tech in manufacturing uh, we've just gone through covid you've talked about the new sort of uh, makeup of future leaders on humility and vulnerability um what are your thoughts then? And, and you talk about innovation and chaos, and particularly around innovation, hybrid working. I mean, I mean, you know, you've you've got a real established long history in working. Where where are you on hybrid working and flexible working? I think it's I think it's here to stay, uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, I think we learn you know that COVID has been terrible in terms of people have lost their lives and the effects had on families and. 
you know, there are lots of people who've had it and recovered, but they were really ill during it. And then there's long COVID. So it's been a bad thing. Um, but, it, but we've learned some things from it. You know, so example, you know, we don't have to meet to have this conversation and it's fine. Um, you know, so, you know, CEOs I know can talk to everybody in their organization down this route, which they've never been able to do before. They wouldn't even think about doing it. Um, so, um, and I think hybrid working has been part of it. But I think people, you know, work used to be a place, you know, it, work used to be where you, somewhere you, you went. Now it's something you do. Uh, and, um, and, and therefore you can do it from certain places. And if you can do it from home, and you're and, and you know sometimes you're more productive now but that's not for everybody you know i it's interesting i've had people coming back i've been listening to people you know lots of people can't wait to come back lots of people don't yeah. want to come back most people are in the middle they miss being with their friends but they like the flexibility but you've got to have a regime you know i, I don't think you can just have well just make your mind up because before it was very clear everybody went to work and so right. you know my world you have to say you know, the, you should try and come in these two days. If you're going to come in, the rest of your team will be there. There are these meetings you need to come to. These meetings you can do Zoom. These meetings you can do both. Um, so, but I think it will develop. You know, I, I think, you know, we're at, we're still at the, you know, very early doors on all of this. And, and it's going to take at least another 12 months, I would say, before it becomes clear, um, mm. you know, how this works. And therefore, you've got to be flexible with it. You've got to be agile. You've got to let these, you know, let let it find its own way. But in the end, you're, you're gonna we're gonna have to have a you know some sort of regime for for each company. So that's the bit of chaos you're talking about. You need that bit yeah. of chaos to try and work out the best way forward. We, we say exactly, and um, you know, because for lots of people, you know, they've only got one room in the house. You know, you know, I talked to somebody the other day, and she said, well, "I've been at work nearly every day." So you know for, throughout the whole thing so oh, that's good you know what made you decide that she said well actually i've only got one room in the decorator's room so you know it's um you know it, it's been hard for people you know that's it. it's you know it's all right for you know people who've got space but for people who don't have space it's tough i think for you know for young people it's been hard um and and there is there is no doubt that have you know the the nuances, the the off, you know, the offside chats, the, the they do have an impact on how you build your skill base and your personality and your mojo and all those things. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the two-hour commutes there, two-hour commutes, but you know, that's high stress. So you know, I think we're so I'm I'm a big you know I think hybrid working is the right thing. I think that it is the future. I think it's just going to take a bit of time to determine what exactly that looks like. And we've got to stay flexible with it. You know, don't yeah. make your mind up today because it's not going to be like that in 12 months' time. Um, just picking up your... Uh, it's, it's interesting because people ask me this kind of questions. Is You've just become recently chair of BrewDog. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and they haven't been around that long, if I remember. Um, they haven't been around that long. Seven or eight years. Yeah, yeah. So maybe your definition of a bit chaotic because they're sort of like a startup. Now... You're very well regarded in the city. You're very well regarded in the industry. You must get approaches every minute of the day. Come and share this, come and share. How do you decide what to share? Because people ask that question. How do you decide which which company to go and become a non-exec or a chair of? What's your sort of criteria? I'm just intrigued. Um, I have two or three criteria. The number one thing is I've got to really like the people I'm going to work. That is my number one criteria. Um, 
And number two criteria is I think it's got to be capable of being something very special. Um, and special doesn't necessarily mean big. It can mean big, it can mean make a big impact. Um, uh, and, and thirdly, I've got to, I, I have to absolutely feel as if, um, you know, we're going to win. Uh, and uh, because there's no point doing it without that. Yeah. Um, and Brewdock's a great thing, you know, great business, built it from nothing, uh, fastest growing beer business in the world. Yeah. Lots of stuff in um, on ESG, really yeah. interesting characters running it, very product focused. Um, it's just, uh, you know, it's, I, it's they're, they're my sort, you know, I think, yeah, and they're my sorts, they're my sorts of businesses, and um, you know that 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 you know wants to disrupt all, all the brewers. If you're going to, you know, Heineken's, Carlsberg, uh, Budweiser, and also Burton Miller, they've all been there for a hundred years. This yeah. industry's never been disrupted, mm -hmm. uh, and, and and you know, you know, it may be that Brewdog can do that, and that would be phenomenal. And and. And when you go into a role, sound like a PE guy here now. Do you say to yourself, five years, and this is what this is where this is what I'm looking to achieve, and if I hit those bits, I'm off. Or do you go in with a completely free reign? Free reign. I go in with the most important thing is get create a great business. So create a great business that's got you know momentum and growth, and then you've got lots of opportunity. <laughs> opportunity opportunity comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes at all sorts of times, generally not in the shape or size you expected and generally not in the time you expected. So there's no much point trying to define when that time is going to be. The most important thing is be, uh, have a great business and just keep going and going and going. And whether it's in six months, six years, 16 years or six hours, because you're a great business, something will happen. You know? And, and, and another question I get asked a lot is, Mr. A or Miss B will say, I want to become a non-exec. So one of your roles you said was to find a great CEO. And my assumption is you want a great board. So Absolutely. some great non-execs. Uh, and you must be heavily involved in the changing or bringing new people on. What do you look for in a non-exec to say? I'm very lucky I have some great non-execs. Um, Canal River Trust is a great example. It's trustees. And remember, they're all volunteers. They get paid, they get yeah. paid for this. Um, the, uh, and the co-op board, I think, is the most diverse in the okay. country. Um, so, um, so, and I think it's in that word diverse that I really look for. You need, you need diversity of people. You know, you need different skills, different backgrounds, um, because it's the chemistry that works. You don't need everybody being an expert at one thing. Um, so, all of mine i generally recruit for a character you know yeah. they talk about people and products you know yeah. same way around uh, and then and then secondly sk skill uh, but but you know i might be looking for a supply chain person or an it background person or yeah. something like that um you know that 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 and then you've got the right mix those boards are very difficult to chair actually because you want people with opinions you don't want people who don't have an opinion um, and actually you want different you want different opinions opposing you know so actually it's quite difficult to manage opposing without making it confrontational and um but you know that's part of the you know not part of the skill of being the chair one of the, if, you know great chairs 
have difficult boards. You know what I mean? Got it. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a sort of um, yeah. yeah. You don't want it. It's just not. I want to run it and go. You know, yeah. What 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 have, what's been what's been said today that's really made people bristle a little bit? You know, that's the test, the bristle test. A couple of questions before we wrap up. This has been fascinating. Um, what have you learned about yourself or learned about other people because of COVID? Did you, was there any, did you see, did you learn anything? Was there anything there? Yeah, well, I think I did learn a lot, actually. I mean, first of all, I learned a huge amount about everything because everything changed in one day. And all the things, and, and, and you are either lucky or unlucky. You know, you, you, you either had a business that remained open or yeah. a business that was shut. It was nothing to do with how well that business was doing or what a good job you were doing. So suddenly luck came into play in a way which I've never seen it. Um, and, and then cash, which has always become, you know, I was, when I went to Harvard, they said, just remember one thing, never run out of cash. They said, if you, if you just remember that, you'll be fine. Um, but, you know, cash became a critical thing and, and massive uncertainty. Um, because you had no idea, you, you were doing yeah. things you'd never done before. Yeah. So therefore, you had no idea whether they were going to work or not. Yeah. Um, so, and you learn, and you learn a lot about people in that too. You know, people, how people responded in those uh, under uncertainty, as opposed to certainty, was was you learned a lot about people. And but I, I for for me, uh, it was a massive learning experience of. God, I've never had to do any of this before. And, and is this going to work? Are we going to survive? And the other businesses, you know, you can imagine the co-op is a classic of the food stores are open, but yeah. I want to look after our people. Um, and, and then, you know, we're the biggest funeral business in Britain. So we're yeah. suddenly having to deal with all these. Yeah. And, and, and my, I'm telling you, my people were unbelievable because there weren't anybody allowed to go. You know, they, they were having to not only manage the funeral as they would do but they were often the only people there so uh, you know you, you suddenly all these things come into play and um so i think you know you you, you i learned a huge amount about myself and i and i and i learned a huge amount about my people and, and i have to say you know sitting here today i've never been as proud of the people who i work with as as i am today for them getting through all of that and the things they did and these are ordinary, but these aren't, you know, clearly these are the execs, in it, but, but the brunt of this was taken at the, you know, people on the front line. And, you know, they were, you know, they're their own problems at home. It was unbelievable. You know, you know, you know we, we sort of, as we're sort of getting used to it, we forget, you know, we see the deaths every day. Oh, it's only 170. That's a thousand a week. Yeah. You know, that, you know, it is you know we must never forget the magnitude of this and and we mustn't and we must never forget what people have gone through uh and you know it's easy to do that and we mustn't do that and you know this you know inequality came to the fore in this beyond anything else you've ever you know where real inequality um and you know we all need to step up my, my concern is that in a year's time the new normal exists and we stop learning the lessons of what this really meant. Yeah. 
People have short memories. Absolutely. Last question. Um, yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll drop one in just before I go on to my last question. Three words that would best describe you. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> or as my granddaughter would say, vampire, you're rubbish at that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's why my six-year-old, grandpa, you're rubbish at that. <laughs> so that that's they the measure. They're my measure today. <laughs> for, for final question then, um, COVID's come and, and hopefully we're emerging out, uh, and, and people now see leadership in different ways. But if there were three tips for leaders, if somebody wants to become a leader, well, sort of three tips would you give them finally to become great leaders? Because you like using that word great. Oh, I think it's those three things that Ginny, who my CEO of CNRG said to me, she said to me, you know, this thing about vulnerability, you know, kindness and compassion, you know, that, that you, you have to have different skills. Um, and I think they're, this is the, these are the new skills that, yeah, not new skills, the skills that you have to enhance in the way, you know, you have to, you have to lead with feeling, I think. Uh, Alan, that's been fantastic. Um, Good. You've been brilliant, some really, really great stuff. And I really would encourage, uh, if anyone hasn't had a chance, there's, there's so many great bits in there. Uh, and obviously, um, for those who are looking to get the next business influencer, you're going to be featured in there as you are in this podcast. <laughs> and uh, brilliant. No, it's been wonderful. And you're right, I have been stalking you, but there's some really, really good. I, I love this one line. I'm just a, it, it, again, it, it's it's your people thing, which is in football when somebody scores a goal, people tend to forget that someone had to pass them the ball in the first place. In That's business, wild. it is the same. Always reward. This is really great. The passer of the ball. And that's your and quote. And I, I made that up. And, and uh, there was a friend of mine who had an advertising agency. And I tell the story of every Jeff Hurst, every member, everybody remembers the hat trick yeah, score. That's right. If, if you see the last goal, you'll see that Germany are attacking and yeah. the ball goes in the box. And Bobby Moore gets it just outside the penalty spot. And Jack, I know because I've heard the stories now because I talked to Jack Charlton shouting to him, kick it into the stands. Gorn Banks is saying, kick it anywhere, kick it anywhere, Bobby. And what he does, he takes four steps and he passes that ball to Jeff Hurst. It's such a good pass. They all thought he was offside. He wasn't. And Jeff Hurst goes, scores, gets a hat trick. Nobody remembers Bobby Moore passing that ball. And so when I told this story, they went and got... They took, they took the whole frame and they gave me a, 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 a picture of that whole frame from him passing the ball to Jeff Hurst. And they put it, always, always remember to reward the passer of the ball. Um, but that's the truth. That's a, that's a, but it's absolutely true. You know, every, it's, it's not easy to be the goal scorer, but everybody thinks about the goal scorer. But, you know, somebody does all the work, you know? Yeah, it's fascinating. And, 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 and you know what business is? part of the community and the community relies also on the business. People rely on business. Even if, it's digital, even if it's a digital world, you need the powers in the business to get the digital side right. Um, um, Fantastic. Absolutely. 
All Cheers, right. Alan. Good to see you. Take care of yourself. Thanks, mate. Stay Bye-bye. safe. Hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, and if so, please do leave a review. It all helps in promoting the podcast. Oh, and by the way, have a great day. <laughs>